That's hot. All right. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to Rock Valley Bible Church. Thank you so much for joining us on this uh, wonderful Lord's Day as we... Um, as I preach from John eleven seventeen through 27, just on Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Do you believe? Uh, so my name is Ryan Brown. I'm one of the pastors, elders here at Rock Valley Bible Church. Um, just, uh, I know um, if Steve's experience with vacation is anything like my own, coming uh, back from vacation, you almost need another vacation from that vacation. And so uh, just to give him an extra uh, buffer as he re-enters, um, you know, civilized life from the glorious shores of California uh, and, uh, and beyond, just um, thought I'd give him a little buffer and uh, hopefully it's a blessing to him and, and, uh, and to you all as well as, uh, um, as we open the scriptures together. So I'm going to be looking at John 11, 17 through 27. But before we do, right, um, just as a, a brief introduction, um, we can take, I know I'm transitioning jobs right now, and uh, you can take the teacher out of the classroom, but you can't take the classroom or the pop quiz out of the teacher. So we've got a little quiz. It's a little different this Sunday, though. Um, and so it's, a, it's, a, it's styled after America's Funniest Home Videos. How many of you have seen that? This might be, you might be dating yourself a little bit. America's Funniest Home Videos was YouTube before YouTube existed, basically, for all of you young people. Um, so we're going to uh, play a little game called What Happens Next? And it's almost like a game show, right? So feel free to chime in if you think you know what's going to happen next. So here, here's our first clip, and this is, uh, you know, Alfonso Rivera and Rachel Ray on her, that was not right, um, here we go, come on, you know you want to work, I, try, I just tried this this morning, so there we go, maybe not, okay, well anyways, it's a dad doing a handstand, you can see it right here, right, okay, so that's the, the still of the clip, um, so let's... Let's hope the next clip works. Um, if not, I can try something else real quick. But um, if, uh, if you had to guess, Dad's doing a handstand, what do you think is going to happen next? What happens next? A, Dad crashes into his child. B, performs a perfect handstand. C, he falls and knocks the pictures off the wall. What do you think? All right, C, C, let's find out if you're right. Maybe not. Okay, all right, there's, I'm, just give me one second. I'm going to try... Uh, one more thing. Um, <laughs> present to play video. I tried. <laughs> and just doesn't want to work. Okay, perfect. Um, I, I swear I tried this literally 10 minutes, not 10 minutes ago, half an hour ago. Anyways, okay, he falls and knocks all the things off, right? We all knew what was going to happen. All right, let's try one more. Hey, here we go. It worked. Ah. All right, you got it right. Give yourselves a hand. Excellent job. All right, let's go to the next one. Hey, this is the baby to go to sleep. Okay. okay. We got the baby to go to sleep. What's going to happen? Is she going to, is mom, so we got, can't, you know, we're equal opportunity here. We got dads. Now we got moms. Is mom going to fall into the crib? Is the crib going to break? Or is the baby going to like throw up all over everything? What do you think? A, B, or C? 
Hey, all right, let's find out. Right, here we go. Finally got the baby to go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Oof, that's rough. All right, so that is, all right, so we all knew what was going to happen, right? But maybe we didn't notice a couple of things. Okay, what color was the guy's shirt in the first video? Oh, man, you guys are really paying attention. It was stuck there for a while, so I'm guessing that's why. All right, let's hope you don't get this one, maybe. All right, what about, what was in the nightlight in the second video? Okay, there we go. All right, it was a crown, all right? If you pay, you know, there are things that when we know what's coming up next, we don't really pay attention unless, you know, there's some uh, technical difficulties going on. We don't really pay attention um, when we're, when we know what's going to happen. And so I think um, one of the things that... Um, in this passage that stood out to me was, um, I know what, we, we all know what's going to happen in John 11, right? It's when Lazarus dies, and what happens? You can answer this, that's fine, yes. What? Jesus raises him from the dead, right? This is a, this is one of the more, uh, famous passages in all of the Bible, and many of you, if you're like me, have memorized John 11.35 to earn some VBS bucks, right? Uh, Jesus wept. That's a super nice verse if you're trying to earn the, you know, that yo-yo ball or whatever it is from the VBS store. Um, well, anyways, this is, this passage is, um, just a, a chalk full of some of the lesser noticed things in the book of John, or in maybe in, in Bible in our Bible readings, because we know what's going to happen. And me, personally, I have skipped over it oftentimes. Just, I know what's going to happen, let's keep going. Um, but uh, one of the things that's kind of slowed me down is last year, uh, Pastor Brandon kind of talked about, or Steve talked about, like, um, uh, listening to the daily audio Bible, and, and just listening to it through the, throughout the year. And that has really um, just allowed... Um, more time. The, the guy who reads it every day, his name's Brian, and he reads very slowly. And so there's a lot, there's, he slows it down, right? There's some, there's some, there's some, uh, space there for you to take it in. And so what's, what's been beneficial to me is just, uh, reading through John and just really, um, as, as I've been reading through John again this year, just really being struck by how personal Jesus is in John, and how John gives such a, an intimate look into who Jesus is. And this, this passage encapsulates a lot about what makes John's gospel stand out to me, right? Um, it's almost like John is painting this picture of Jesus, or he's, he's pre- presenting this image of Jesus, that as you walk through the gospel of John, you're coming closer and closer and closer, and all of a sudden you're standing face-to-face with Jesus. And it's one of those moments where you have to make a decision, where, where, and, and Jesus is there, and he's, he's kind of calling you. Um, he, in, in our passage, you'll see he asks, do you believe this? And, and it's that moment where you're maybe on this, this narrow road, and you stand in front of someone, and you either have to, like, you know, do the weird, awkward dance where you go around them, or you say, you know, and you just kind of say sorry, and then, or you turn around and walk with them. And that's the moment, um, and I think this, this presents one of those moments that John presents in the book of John. Um, and also, for those of us who are maybe 
like me, are um, like it to be spelled out for us. John spells it out really well. So uh, John twenty thirty one says, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. <laughs> How much more spelled out could that be? So that's great for people like me that just like it spelled out for us. Uh, and so before we uh, dive into some of the context of our passage and read our passage, let's go before uh, Christ who calls us to him this morning in prayer. Say, uh, dear Jesus, uh, we come to you, um, I come to you, just uh, empty, uh, knowing that you are the one who can fill us. Cause us, cause in us to spring a well of life, uh, of living water that never runs dry. Uh, pray, God, that you would comfort us in our hurt, confront us in our sin, and uh, compel us to reach a dying world with uh, the life that you have and a life that is only found in you. Uh, it's in your name we pray. Amen. So, you know, most of us are familiar with this passage of Lazarus, right? Uh, the basic outline is fairly well known. Lazarus dies. Jesus waits a little bit. He shows up, and then he, raises, he, he weeps, and then he raises him from the dead, right? It, it's an incredible miracle, right? Such, wow, amaze. And there's so much application. Sorry, that's a doge joke if you're really old. All right, um, up until this point, right, uh, if you've been reading through the Bible, if you've been following along with, with Brian as he reads through the Bible, um, there is, you, you're familiar with Mary and Martha because they, they show up in Luke 10, right? When, like when Jesus does not rebuke Mary for sitting at his feet, listening to him teach while Martha is the one serving, and she's like, Dude, Jesus told Mary to, to help me, and he's like, no, I'm not doing that. And uh, because it is better to listen to Jesus. Um, and so there's really not, other than that and this passage, there's not anything else written uh, throughout the Bible um, uh, or in the Gospels about them, right? But even in these two vignettes that we have, right, the, the Martha and Mary story in Luke and, and in this passage in John, there's so much in me, like, Maybe as a firstborn, or I don't know. There's just some. There's there's a firstborn vibe that I get from Martha, right? She wants to serve. She loves Jesus, but even in these two interactions, I get the sense that she wants things done on her terms, right? And we see her heart, however, in this passage, and it's it's a reminder of the different personalities in the Bible, and this is one of the this. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are the only people mentioned by name in John that say, the, the, the people mentioned by name that say that Jesus loved them. And so I think their personalities run the spectrum. Our personalities run the spectrum. We should be like Jesus and love uh, and mirror his love um, to all different kinds of people, right? And so um, also another thing that I like about John is he's great at setting the stage for us. And he includes details that give us the reason for his writing. So, Jesus was uh, across the Jordan at Bethany, um, the green dot, right? So, he was across the Jordan at Bethany uh, when he heard of Lazarus' illness. Right? And before he gets there, in the first part of the chapter that we're not going to deal with and we're not going to read, he tells us what he's doing and why he waited, right? This, thank you, John. This is great. Uh, thanks for spelling it out for us, right? Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, 
and for your sake, this is verse 14, excuse me, 1114. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So that brings us to our passage. So let's read it together. Verse 17, uh, John eleven seventeen. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Amen. That's our passage for this morning. Uh, so, it, again, John sets the stage, right? In verse 17, Jesus, uh, just, he, Jesus is rolling into Bethany, and John gives us a little more context about who's there and why in verses 18 and 19, which say that uh, Bethany was near Jerusalem, uh, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Mary, Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Right here, John in, in this, this chapter, in this passage specifically, he's giving us a little more context about who's there and uh, also setting it in the context of his larger narrative, right? From uh, Jesus' uh, ministry and life all the way through to his death, cruci- uh, crucifixion, and resurrection. And so this is, uh, in chapter 11, we have kind of the last straw miracle, uh, that will drive the Jews who had come over to Bethany to comfort Martha and Mary. They go back to the Pharisees in Jerusalem because it's a short walk. They go back to the, the Pharisees and tell them about what happened, which then they solidify their plans to kill Jesus in, in this chapter. So for us, John sets the stage for the conversation here with Martha. That's our main focus this morning. So what we're going to do, right? So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house, right? This dialogue between Martha and Jesus, to me, is fascinating. And there's so much happening here. Jesus corrects her in the interaction in Luke, but I feel like she learned a little bit from that, right? In Luke, she's the one coming to Jesus, and she's like, Jesus, tell Mary to do what I tell her to do. And in this interaction, though, I get a sense that she's kind of learned a little bit from that interaction because what she does is she hears Jesus is coming and she goes out to him, right? Rather than, you know, get everything ready for Jesus coming, she goes out to him. And uh, there, there's more here, right? But that's one of the things that, that just show some of the, the heart of Martha and also that give me that kind of, you know, that resonates with my personality, right? I, uh, don't want to be told by Jesus I'm wrong again, right? That's kind of one of the things. I got to have the right answer. And so I think there, we see that in their interaction, even in this dialogue. Um, and let's, what, what I'd like to do even now is just hit pause because, right, so much of what they talk about could be, um, 
juxtaposed with what is going to happen later in the passage, what's going to happen later in the chapter. But what I want to do right now is just, just let's pause and take this time, this little time stamp right here in John 11, uh, 17 through 27, and just focus on it for a, a few minutes as we kind of put ourselves in Martha's shoes, put ourselves uh, as John would have us. Uh, he included this for a reason, and so let's not skip over it to get to everything that we know is coming. But let's let's really pause and and read it and focus on what they're saying and and why they're saying it and how they're saying it. So, uh, verses twenty one through twenty seven say, Martha said to Jesus, "Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you." Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into this world. So they're their dialogue begins with Martha speaking, and I know I still have this up, so I'm sorry. If you are doing the children's notes, here's the arrow you should draw right there in Bethany across the Jordan, and they have, they're coming to Bethany two miles outside of Jerusalem, so make sure you get that nice giant arrow drawn there, um, if you can see that. Everyone can see that? Good. All right, and then this is where they end up, Bethany. Red for stopping. They stop there. Brings us to our first point. Jesus is the resurrection. Right, their dialogue begins with Martha speaking. So let's walk through the passage um, as we as we consider Jesus as the resurrection. So their dialogue begins with Martha speaking, and I think that even then, right there, we can see um, Jesus's heart and Jesus Jesus's wisdom. Right, he is quick to listen. Martha is hurting; she's coming to Jesus. Um, and, and rather than being like, Mary, or Martha, Martha, I, I know you're upset, and I know uh, why you're here, but I'm just going to tell you right now I'm going to raise Lazarus from the dead, right? Um, so, you know, save whatever, you know, whatever, um, you know, emotional baggage you have, because we're just, we're going to the tomb. She, he doesn't do that, right? He, he gives Martha space to speak. And he was quick to listen. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And this is surprising to me because Martha's coming out again to kind of, you know, tell Jesus what's going on, right? She gets up and goes to Jesus, right? However, and it feels confrontational, like, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And yet, the way, the, the sense of the verse is not uh, confrontational. It's just a, a statement of regret. It's not a reproach. It's, it's a fact. It's, it's not yelling at Jesus. It's a lament. And I think we don't have a good category for that maybe in our context in, the, in maybe American church or American Christianity today. We don't have a context for lament. Uh, there is... Um, you know, and I think also, you know, I know we're paused right here, but if you fast forward a little bit, Mar- Mary says the same thing to Jesus as well later in the chapter. 
Like, it was a common topic of discussion in their house, right? Uh, especially these past four days, or even during Lazarus's sickness, right? If only Jesus was here. If only Jesus was here. And I think um, there was much for us to learn in, in that interaction. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will, will give you, right? She didn't get the healing that they had discussed at home in this, in these, these four days previously, or even in, in the, the, the time that Lazarus was sick. They didn't get that healing. She didn't get that. Yet, even, I think, if we see, we look right in the middle of that, in her dialogue, right in the middle of her speaking to Jesus, it's like she flips a switch. Like, she comes to Jesus in her anguish, and, and she turns it to the Lord, right? Like, um, like, like looking at the face of Jesus turns your lament, turns the brokenness that you see in the world, and, and you, can, you come with a kernel of faith and you can turn it and, and turn it to trust. And I think that's a good a definition of lament, right? Mark Vogat, oops, we're, I'm skipping ahead, excuse me. Uh, so that's a, that's a definition of lament, right? And Jesus responds, so we'll get there, don't worry. Um, so she, she comes to the, she comes to Jesus in her anguish. She's standing face to face with him. She comes in her lament. And it's like at the face, like looking in the face of Jesus, she's like, this is what we've been talking about. And yet I know that whatever you ask, God will give you. She turns that lament into trust. Um, and, uh, and we can look at that in a few, in a few moments here. And Jesus responds to her, right? He says, your brother will rise again in verse 23. He's offering her hope, but it's not in the way that she expects, right? This isn't the... And I think that's the common way that God operates in our lives today, right? We come to the Lord uh, with a kernel of faith, and he does far more abundantly than we can ask or imagine, Right? We, come to, we come to God, and he gives us an answer that is beyond what we can even ask or imagine. And, and Martha doesn't get it. She says, and she gives like the, you know, the Sunday school answer, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Martha's, you know, she, she can't conceive of the hope that Jesus is giving. And so she's expressing like that Sunday school answer, like I said, that the Jews of that time during, uh, uh, sorry, the Jews of that time believed, right, of a bodily resurrection last day before the final judgment when all the dead would be raised to life again in anticipation of the judgment. There's no, there's no category in her mind for like, you know, a resurrection happening before the final resurrection. That's just uh, unheard of. And especially someone being raised again to live forever, right? I know we're paused here, but, you know, just, you know, think of that as well, right? There's no category in her mind for those things. And so he responds with a clarification. In verse 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Right? These I am statements in John, there's seven of them that clearly lay out the case for Jesus's divinity, that he is the second person of the, the divinity. He's, uh, these, these statements in John echo back all the way to Exodus 3 of the burning bush. Right? Jesus is calling himself God when he says, I am. It's that big I, capital I, capital A, capital M. I am. Right? Jesus 
turns the paradigm of her belief in a coming Judgment Day resurrection on its head. Not only, like, will that day happen, right? That he's going to cause the resurrection to happen on the last day. But his person and work is so tied to the resurrection and, and the guarantee of the resurrection and the first fruits of the resurrection that he actually embodies the resurrection. And so I think the main application that we can take away from this passage, given Martha's coming to Jesus, is that lament before the face of Jesus can help us as we live in a broken world, because Jesus is the resurrection. I'm going to say it one more time. Lament before the face of Jesus can help us as we live in a broken world, because Jesus is the resurrection. And it's not only that Martha went out to her, right? Jesus calls us to him to bring our brokenness to him. Um, like Andy mentioned earlier today, Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And the verses following say, Take my yoke upon me, on you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, Mark Rogop, in his book... Uh, dark clouds, deep mercy, it defines lament as a prayer of pain that leads to trust. And I think there is uh, something to be said about having a category for lament, allowing people space to lament like Jesus did, right? When, when someone's hurting and they come to you, or you come and you're hurting and you come to Jesus, <laughs> um, it's okay to acknowledge that the world is a broken place, um, <clears throat> right? It's okay to allow someone to acknowledge that the world is a broken place. And it hurts to live sometimes. Um, but <clears throat> when we come to the face of Jesus, we can turn that brokenness into hope. Right? Um, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then she turns it to hope, looking in the face of Jesus. She says, But even now, <clears throat> I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Your brother, and then Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. And Martha didn't say, You know, thanks, Jesus, right? Uh, and, you know, uh, you're going to raise my brother. All right, cool. I'm, I'm good with that, right? That's not what happened, right? She, she seeks in further dialogue to clarify and to give the answer that she thinks is right. right? It doesn't just end there. It's a process for her to come to the realization that God is doing something in her suffering. It, come, gives her, uh, uh, it takes a process for us to realize that God is doing something in our suffering. Um, so in this passage, even at the end, right, when she confesses that he is the Christ, the Son of God who is, coming, who is bringing his kingdom into the world, she's still grieving at the end. Lazarus is not out of the grave. She, he's still dead. She's still sad. The world is still broken. And yet, there is hope because Jesus is the resurrection. So the circumstances in our lives that we uh, want changed or we wish hadn't happened, uh, like the death of a loved one, an illness, disability, maybe an injury, wayward children, relational strife, 
that leads to broken relationships, oppression, life-altering revelations, someone else's sin in our lives, right? Jesus meets us in this brokenness. He calls us to come to him if we are labored and heavy laden. And so we can meet him in our brokenness. He listens. He gives us room to lament. And yet, in a way that is unexpected to us, he also has power to make everything right because he is the resurrection. He has the power to raise the dead. He will be the cause for the resurrection in the last day. But more than that, he is going to be raised like as in the final resurrection, only early. He's going to do that to live forever. He is the embodiment of the resurrection. And so when we come to him, we can, ex- we can expect the hope that not only comes right, uh, from the future, or excuse me, not only for the future, right? We have a hope for a future resurrection. And yet, because of Christ's work, because of his resurrection, because he is the resurrection that will remake the cosmos, destroying evil, sin, and death, he's the first fruits of a coming payment, a coming kingdom, or sorry, the first fruits and down payment of a coming kingdom that will restore all the brokenness and wipe away every tear, right? The, the resurrection, and I think I, um, I've been talking for a long time, but I really want you to hear me when I say this. The resurrection is not a doctrinal checkbox that we mark off every Easter. It is a foundational truth of the cosmos that impact our daily lives and will reverberate throughout eternity. The resurrection is not just a doctrinal checkbox that we mark off every Easter. It is foundational to the way we live our everyday lives. It is foundational to the hope that we have, not only that comes, not only for a future where everything will be made right, right, but power today that comes from the future because Jesus is that down payment. He is the first fruits of a resurrection that is coming. And so we can experience some of that power today, right? The, the power to remake the cosmos in the resurrection is here, not fully, right? Because not, not the, word, the world is broken. It's not here fully, but it is here substantially. So oh, how do, what does that look like in our daily lives, right? Whether we're dealing with those things that I mentioned earlier or dealing with uh, the brokenness, in, I think of my own life, right? The brokenness this week and, and uh, I think back across the week and how, um, how much there is to, to lament. And yet, there is, there is power to live in hope because of Christ's resurrection. Like, uh, even in a small way, when I fail as a father, uh, the spirit given post-resurrection gives grace to me to repent and confess and grace to my children to restore and forgive. Right? The God who created life can resurrect life and can also give new spiritual life because he is the embodiment not only of the resurrection but also of life. So Jesus says in verse 26a, that everyone who be- lives and believes in me shall never die. Now this, this word in, right? And I know <laughs> word studies are tricky, so I'm not going to do too much with it. But the, this word in is from uh, the word that normally is translated or has a meaning of into. And this is from the ESV study Bible. It says, uh, right, so the word in here is ordinarily translated or has the meaning of into, which means that as we believe in Jesus, we are brought, in a sense, 
into Christ, right? We believe in Christ. We believe into Christ. We're brought into union with him. And we can experience this new life, this new life that Jesus is the life because it is under the reign of our Lord Jesus. Again, Jesus is identifying himself as the one who not only creates life and brings it back, right? But he is also the one who sustains and fills our lives. He sustains and fills our moments with life, right? This idea that when we are born into this new life in Christ, that we are born into not only this life that will happen again, but also life abundant now is clearly spelled out by Paul in Romans 6. Uh, Romans 6, 4 through 11 says, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Right? And I'm going to skip to 10. It says, For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That is the glorious gift to those who believe in Jesus. That he came, paid the penalty for our sin, was raised again to new life, is now seated on the right, at the right hand of the Father and, and sends the Spirit with the Father to us so that we might know not only this new life in the resurrection, but also know abundant life now. And what a miracle that is, that he not only gives us life, but he gives us abundant life now. Right, John 10.10, 10, right? I came to give life and give it to the full. The thief comes to only steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. And I think a great picture of this are these enchroma, yeah, here we go, these enchroma glasses. Um, how many of you guys have seen these videos, right? This is AFV for people that... No, this is YouTube, sorry. Uh, so this is, uh, these are some clips on YouTube. There's, there's videos on YouTube of, these, of people that are colorblind getting these kind of prismatic glasses that allow them to see a broader spectrum of color. And so this is a bride giving her groom, who is colorblind, uh, a set of these glasses. Now, it doesn't always work, right? The, the glasses don't always work for people who are colorblind. It works about 80% of the time. But I think... Um, Sorry, I don't, <laughs> that's nerdy. Um, but this is, uh, this is uh, just a perfect example, uh, an illustration, if you will, of the new life that we have in Christ. If you watch his reaction as he puts these glasses on and can see now a broader spectrum of colors. You're kidding. Put them on! <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? You guys can see this every day. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if you guys understand, but I didn't know. <laughs> the grass looks green. <laughs> yeah, it's sunrail. Just what an what an awesome example of the new life, the life that we have that is given abundantly, right? When we are given new life in Christ, like, the, his reaction, right? It's like, this is unreal. I didn't know. 
Uh, you guys see this every day, right? When, when you're born again, that's what it's like. It's like you see a new spectrum. You see a new experience. You have a new experience, right? It's just a, a wonderful illustration, right? And the, the life, and it's a wonderful illustration of, of the bride sacrificing. Those, those uh, glasses are not cheap, okay? Uh, the bride sacrificing for her groom in order to give life, in order to give a new abundant life to her groom, right, as, we, as she works to end the brokenness of the fallen world. Uh, it's an illustration of, of the life that we have now, the new life that we have in us spilling over to others to work as ambassadors for the kingdom of the resurrected and risen Lord, excuse me, risen and reigning Lord that leads us to serve others who are suffering now, leads us to serve the broken and the downtrodden so that we can share that abundant life with them. The life that's in us pours out and spills out to others, right? If, if you're here and you're listening this morning and you haven't experienced that life, if you don't know what, we're t- if you don't know what I'm talking about, about that, like, uh, it's unreal, right? It, this is what you see every day. I didn't know. And I think that's the biggest thing. I didn't know. There's a time before I knew Jesus and there was a time after. And I didn't know what I was missing before I knew him. And so if you don't have that experience, Jesus calls to you to come and asks, do you believe? Do you believe in to him and his life, death, and resurrection and his reign? Right? But if you do know that Jesus is the life, how can you share that abundant life with others? Right? Finally, in our passage, Jesus asks, do you believe this? Right? He says, um, she has come, so right, just like we've been talking, like she's coming face to face with Jesus and he confronts her. He says, do you believe this? And she says, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. Even in her grief, she is able to confess all of this. And there's so much to, to unpack, right? She confesses at least four things, that Jesus is Lord, right? That he is sovereign over all things, that he is Christ, the Messiah, the promised child to Eve in Genesis 3, the promised child to Abraham, the, Abraham, the, 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 the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham that he would be a blessing to the whole earth, and to David that he would rescue his people and rule forever. Right? He is also the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, co-equal to God the Father, who is coming into the world, which is a reference of Psalm 18, which I know we're paused here, but later in the triumphal entry, that is the quote that the uh, Israelites uh, proclaim over Jesus. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Right? It's reference at the triumphal entry that he, uh, in Psalm 118, is a testament to the saving faithfulness of God and uh, to his people and praising him for the coming Messiah. So, the question to us comes, do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection? Do you believe that Jesus is the life? Do you believe that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God that has come into the world? And these questions echo down through the ages to us, not only on, so we're going to unpause now, right? Not only on this side of Lazarus' resurrection, but also on this side of Jesus' resurrection as that first fruit, the down payment of the final resurrection that we can have new life in him 
and live in his power to bring those around us to meet him. And I think of people in my own life, right? We can live as ambassadors and emissaries to reach our colleagues and relatives who take pride in their partying and debauchery, those who persist in dehumanizing other ethnicities with racist comments, attitudes, and actions. We can reach out to our children who are struggling with identity, a lonely senior who suddenly needs help, the young mother who is experiencing an unplanned pregnancy, and there's an abortion clinic opening in town, a family dealing with the diagnosis of a rapidly spreading cancer, a family grieving the loss of a child. Jesus is the resurrection. He brings hope, not only for the future, but from the future. And he is the life that can give us life abundantly today. And he gives it to all who would come to him and believe in him, into him. Right? We know what happens in this story. At the end of the story, Lazarus is raised. And ultimately, we know what happens at the end of history. We are all raised to new life. Yet Martha, even while we're paused here, if we are still, after hearing Jesus' words, was able to confess in her grief, able to confess in her brokenness, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. His life and words up until this point in history were enough for her. Is it enough for us today who have much more to answer that question, do you believe? Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we come before you knowing that some have not placed their trust in, into you, come to you in their brokenness and uh, laid, it, laid it at your feet, um, how you call us to take your yoke upon us, on, yeah, on us and learn from you. And yet, Father, we here who do believe struggle. Help our unbelief. Help us to believe that you are the resurrection, that you are the life, that we can have life abundant and it can spill over to speak life into so many situations that are broken, hurt, into our own situations. God, we pray all of this in the name of Jesus, who is the life, who is the resurrection, who is the Christ, the Son of God. Amen.